0: Welcome to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams. The legendary conflict between sheep herder Frank Clark and Old Ephraim, the giant bear, is one of the most widely told stories in the Logan area. Old Ephraim was a very large grizzly who roamed the Cache National Forest from about 1911 until his death on August 22, 1923. Old Ephraim stories are still told. We're going to talk about local legends on the program today. Uh, perhaps you have a an oldie from Story. We'd love to hear that. Your version, your family's version. Maybe you have a story about the Bear Lake Monster. That's another local legend if you're in northern Utah. Uh, St. Anne's Retreat up Logan Canyon if you want to get scary. Um, Bigfoot. Apparently there have been Bigfoot sightings in northern Utah, maybe in your area as well. Um, even before we went out of the air, we got talking about... Um, LDS folklore. So maybe you have a three fight story or something else uh, from your family. I'd love to hear your local legend on the program today from your hometown or your family. Uh, and we are uh, joined on the program today by Daniel Bishop, the storyteller. He's from uh, Montpelier, Idaho, does uh, storytelling uh, for a living. And in fact, he has an Old Ephraim event coming up uh, on the anniversary of Old, uh, old Ephraim's death. That's April, uh, August 22nd. Uh, Daniel, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the Thatcher Young Mansion. That's just right behind the Eccles Theater. Uh, if you've never been in there, this is a great excuse to come. It's a smaller space. We'll be very intimately telling about the uh, old Ephraim, a lot of his surroundings, about Frank, and then, of course, about the final battle uh, between the two. It's at 7 o'clock on Friday um, tickets are still available, last I checked, so call into the uh, Cache Valley Center for the Arts and uh, pick those up.
0: Very good. That's coming up on Friday the, Friday, the anniversary of the death of Old Ephraim. We are joined also in studio by uh, Daniel Davis, photograph curator with USU Merrill-Kazir Library Special Collections. And at your suggestion, I'll call you Dan and Daniel Daniel. Okay. So, there. Thank you. That's a good way to clear things up. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you, you take care of photographs at the Special Collections. There's a lot of stuff there at Special Collections, including a lot of stuff on Old Ephraim, Bear Lake Monster, just about anything you'd want to, uh, to
2: read about or see yeah. or, or hear. You have audio stuff. Yeah, and we were discussing earlier um, uh, that it's unfortunate that uh, we don't have any photos of the body of Old Ephraim, um, nor of the Bear Lake Monster, it turns out, and I'd love to have that. Um, but, yeah, we have uh, a really wide variety of materials from uh, different folklore collections, photographs, manuscripts, old diaries, um, really rare and unusual publications, newspapers, just about anything you can think of.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great collection. This is in the, the lowest level, the basement of, of the uh, library on the USU campus. Yep. Uh, so the number to call us is 1-800-826-1495, or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, Upraccess at gmail.com. We would love to get your story. Special Collections, love to get your photograph. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to, to know what's important in your family, your hometown. What's, what's what's the buzz? What's the local legend? And as we talk about things in northern Utah, just translate those to wherever you are, and we'd love to hear about it. 1-800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, kind of uh, illustrating how important legends are to us, um, Daniel, even before we get into Old Ephraim, we got talking about, before we went on the air, about the Bear Lake Monster. And I think people are hungry for this. You you encountered a person or heard of a person who, I guess, at least claimed that he had the Bear Lake Monster or offspring the Bear Lake Monster, <laughs> and he had this in a taxidermy form.
1: Yes. Uh, it, uh, during the height of the Bear Lake Monster rush there in uh, Fish Haven, there was a, a gentleman who was selling Peaks of a a baby Bear Lake monster for $0.25 a piece, and he had a a taxidermied monster in his place. By the way, if anybody in Fish Haven is listening and you know where this is, I would love to see it. Um, It's a wonderful, wonderful piece. Uh, there's also legends of teeth out there yeah. floating around. Uh, if you know where those are too, I'd, yeah. I'd appreciate hearing about them.
0: <laughs> and we assume you don't know that people who file who filed through the garage or whatever, you know, to see this taxidermied piece. Maybe would sort of be in on a joke. You know, would 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 assume this is not the real thing. Some might might believe it. Some would want to believe it. Well, maybe we should back up and uh, tell us who the Bear Lake Monster is.
1: Oh well, the Bear Lake Monster is uh, like so many mountain lakes that are not connected to the to the ocean we know that there are monsters in just about every one of them the bear lake monster is as unique uh, as it was told by uh, native american tribes that visited the area to the to the settlers in the area they told them to avoid swimming in the lake in the springtime because the monster was hungry at that time hmm. And then the, uh, the Bear Lake Monster had the wonderful cheerleader of uh, Joseph Rich, uh, son of uh, famous Charles C. Rich, who settled up in the area. Uh, Rich County is still is named for him. But Joseph would write several articles for the Salt Lake Papers about sightings of the Bear Lake Monster, his own and several others. And because of that, uh, the Bear Lake Monster has become greatly featured, including... There is a Pecos Bill story about Pecos Bill wrestling the Bear Lake monster and throwing him to Scotland.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Throwing him to Scotland. Obvious connection with Loch Ness monster. Right. It? Yeah.
2: And um and Dan you
0: you got you got stuff at the special collections about the Bear Lake monster.
2: Um yeah, and in fact um you know we have a lot of those original um Columns that that Joseph Rich wrote about the Bear Lake Monster as well as um, a lot of folklore about it that we've collected and um, pretty much anything published and including a a painting and um, it's a it's a painting I assume it's accurate right. Of, of a very large um, monster in the lake chasing off um, little brown children. And I assume that the idea is that, is that these are Native Americans and that they're in the water and they're being chased out. But. Mm. So the genesis, at least for, for us, is these uh, Indian legends.
0: That...
1: That, that, was, that was the basis of mm. them, which I think also gives the credence of why uh, the Bear Lake monster has lasted so long is mm. that it didn't start with Joseph. He just was the cheerleader right, for right. them. But some of the stories make you raise an eyebrow, and some of the stories will actually give you a little chill, uh, depending on which direction they go. The, the one, one of my favorites is, is uh, in uh, Eden, just on the east side of Bear Lake. There was a, a sheepherder who said he woke up one morning to a strange noise, and when he looked out... The Bear Lake monster had crawled up on shore and had eaten uh, 23 to 40 of his sheep and was still apparently hungry and ate two rolls of barbed wire as well. <laughs> <laughs> and so it makes you wonder just a little bit what was being said. Uh, there was, of course, some folks returning from a church dance in in their wagon. They said they looked out over the lake and saw six monsters, two two adults and four four babies swimming behind, and they were crossing the lake faster than the wagon could run. Mm. So... And, and with each
0: of these stories, the legend
1: grows. I with guess, each yeah. of the s- stories, the legend grows. He's anywhere from uh, twenty feet to sixty feet long. Um, there, he he looks anything like a giant alligator, to a cephalopod, to uh, well, a, a long-necked otter uh, <laughs> with with thick brown fur. And uh, he, but we we do know that there are people who have seen him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, it occurs to me that. He, I don't know. This is something that uh, most people probably won't take the police if you you know this uh, uh, whether it's serious or not. Uh, so who uh, who would you go to? Well, you know you tell your friends, and really the collectors of these stories are a storyteller like you at special collections. You know, because you're, you're collecting the, the legends. So, Daniel, um, why do you think these legends are important to us? Why, why do these—because I think any culture, you're going to have legends of some kind.
1: Well, the legends, whether they're legends like the, the Bear Lake monster, which uh, we, we smile at and wonder, or legends of a historic animal like, like Old Ephraim, where we actually have the physical evidence, they connect us uh, as people, and we as humans desire greatly to be connected— and the story is one of those wonderful intellectual connections. We experience these things. We've we've been on Bear Lake. And when we hear the stories of the Bear Lake Monster and we share them amongst each other, we are now friends. We are now family. Uh, when we hike around uh, anywhere from Malad to Ogden, where Old Ephraim was seen, we're connected when we tell those stories as we've seen where he's seen. We've experienced what... Uh, others have experienced and we are connected with these legends Uh, urban legends that are spread so far and wide uh, scary or funny as they may be they're the same thing it's a connection between people Hmm. that unfortunately in our electronic age is we're losing those connections and so the stories are becoming even more important yeah so, uh, I was like going to say, to, I think yeah, there's also
2: an, an element of, of the, the mysterious and that you want to believe that there's still, you know, mysteries to be discovered out there in the forest. There could be a Bigfoot. There could be a monster in the water. And I think as, as you tell these stories that it's sort of this insider, I know something, that the experts say, well, there's no Bear Lake monster, but we know, right? And we, <laughs> now we have this connection, right, that we, we're on the inside and we've seen it and we know mm. it's really there.
0: And then some people want to uh, experience it. We were talking before we went there about St. Anne's Retreat. Before we talk about this, and and, and that's been perpetuated by an incident that happened in 1997, I think. Right. Uh, Some kids wanted to go up and experience it. So tell us, Daniel, about St. Anne's
1: Retreat. Legend tripping uh, is is one of those ways you connect with it. And uh, St. Anne's Retreat or the nunnery, uh, the stories that have uh, cropped up. Uh, by the way, this is up that. Logan Canyon. It is up Logan yeah. Canyon, uh, just past uh, the uh, Preston Hollow there. Um, and it, it's, it's, been a, it's been talked about ever since uh, it was called Hatch's Camp, owned by the Hatch family, one of the uh, richest families in the nation at that time, into all sorts of things, including movies. Uh, according to the Hatch family, Marilyn Monroe herself stayed at, at the site and watched a play by the two daughters. Hmm. Um, shortly after they uh, left the site, and it was donated to the Catholic Church, uh, partly because nobody else would take it. Um, then they they brought in a summer camp where both nuns and uh, teens from around were able to come, and the legends started about oh anything from uh, the the famous hook man coming up and murdering all the nuns that were staying there through the winter. To, uh, of course, the all-famous pregnant nuns drowning their babies in the swimming pool. And right now, if you go up there at the right time at night, you will see the one young nun who was forced to drown her baby in the pool with her two white Dobermans. Still patrolling the area. <laughs> <laughs> well, the hair on the back of my neck. What yeah, yeah, is this? Uh, so, uh, please get permission before you go up there. Please, <laughs> please get permission. Yes.
0: Uh-huh. Um, uh, so, uh,
1: 1997. Some kids
0: from, I guess, from Logan or somewhere wanted to, yeah, uh, wanted uh, to go and see if they could have an experience.
1: About about 30 kids. They went up. Um, the legend tripping up there is not uncommon. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of vandalism. That's why I say please go with permission. As people would break into the cabins up there to experience, they'd go and sit by the swimming pool and see if they could hear the legendary baby's cry. And they went up and found security guards waiting. And the incident, uh, you can look it up in the newspaper. Uh, it ended up in a very uh, nationally publicized court case where the security guards were uh, convicted of various situations. Uh, they're, they're still heated Feelings about it right now. In fact, I guarantee somebody out there is listening, going, "Oh, there was," mm-hmm. and it's it, but it's just added to the legend uh, that that whole legend only took place because of the the spirits or the evil that is there ha- affected both uh, legend trippers and security guards alike to yeah. cause <laughs> cause a nasty incident. Yeah.
0: So, Dan, I don't know if you, as you look at these, you know, legends, you archive them. Uh, I don't know if there's a a pattern here, it is, something happens. It gets started, and then it just sort of snowballs. I think and th- this is illustrated by this nineteen ninety-seven. This only increases the legend.
2: Yeah, and I think that there's there's an interesting. You know, we talked a little bit. Of, there's the there's the fact, and then there's the legends about the facts, and then there becomes the legends about the legends, and all this. And and one of the things about Old Ephraim, I think you find is is sort of there becomes a legend about the legend itself mm. yeah. of Old Ephraim, and and sort of each retelling is kind of an, a new story. And um, one of the things that come up is, is Oldie from size and anywhere from 1,000 pounds to 1,200 pounds. And, know, and and I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story about how you know, in, in Special Collections we have a lot of different uh, you know, Boy Scouts who come through. And, of course, they build it up a lot, the story of Oldie from how big he was. And so then they come and they see the skull. And I, I remember this little boy looking at it and saying, "Well, that's not very big," mm-hmm. and and so um, sort of things things grow as as with each retelling. It's kind of like the fish I catch, right? They get a little bigger with each retelling of the story, and um, so. It, a number of years ago, I believe Barry Gilbert came in and, you know, sort of analyzing the skull. And so, well, you know, it's a big bear. Mm, yeah. But that that would be the largest grizzly bear ever recorded in, in the lower 48 states. Right. So. Barry Gilbert, a USU bear expert, I yeah. should say. Yeah, yeah, years
0: ago. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about local legends. We'd love to hear yours. What's what's famous in your family, your hometown? We're talking about some things in northern Utah. We'll get into in depth uh, about old from. We've started out with Bear Lake Monster and St. Anne's Retreat. And, mm probably talk about bigfoot as we go along (laughs) as as well this is a lot of fun uh we've got with us um, storyteller uh, daniel bishop and uh, dan davis who is with usu special collections we do have uh, um, a uh, listener on the phone and uh, apologize i didn't get to you in a timely matter but we've got to you now michael in logan thanks for calling appreciate it go ahead be your question or comment
3: Hi. um, Actually, you just barely talked about it. I was interested in more information about the nunnery, and it sounds like you just barely talked about it for a little bit, so thank you.
0: Have you you been up there?
3: I have not, but Uh I've heard a lot of stories, and um, like you mentioned, that story in 1987 about the college students who were kind of held by the security guards that uh, only adds to the... The stories that are told about the area, so it's interesting.
0: So, did you grow up in this area? Were you from this area? Did you hear these stories? Yeah, from Logan. Yeah.
3: So, I was in middle school when that happened. Yeah. And it was kind of the talk, the buzz of the area, and um, only made it more mysterious to go up to the nunnery. That was kind of the cool thing for college students to do to scare each other on Halloween.
0: Yeah, I think that these kinds of things, fortunately or unfortunately, only perpetuate the. <laughs> the, the legend right yeah yeah um th- are there any other you know, like local legends that uh, that uh, that you're interested in?
3: Um, I've heard some about a ghost at the Ellen Eccles theater and also one that lives below the sportsman downtown. I don't know
0: yeah I think Daniel can tell us about, about about at least the one at the uh, Eccles.
1: The, the Eccles theater ghost is such a wonderful little girl. Uh, she w- uh, the story goes is that she was with uh, a group there and had got herself locked into the furnace room and, and died in there while they were looking for her. And her, her little mischievous spirit is a wonderful thing. The stories go that she'll uh, go into the dressing rooms of the visiting actors and move their things around so that they have to rush to get on stage. And then when if they make it, she's excited that they make it but if they don't make it then they'll hear her giggle at them uh, for for losing things. Uh she's she's and a, creepy. She, <laughs> she, as far as theater ghosts go, she's such a wonderful little uh a wonderful little addition. Uh you you could have a much more mischievous ghost like uh Everett over at the Lyric just through the block who uh is a, a, is a bit meaner. He'll make fun of you if you're messing up on mm-hmm. stage. Okay.
0: <laughs> Interesting. And and then what was the other one? Michael?
3: Uh, below the sportsman, um, a ghost underneath the sportsman.
0: Uh, have you gentlemen heard of that one? I
1: have you not. Know, I the, I, I I've only heard that there is one. Unfortunately, that's as much of the story as I've been able to find. Mm-hmm. However, um, as I understand it, this year's uh, Logan ghost tours in October might be featuring that particular ghost. They're, okay. They've been, they've been looking into finding the story. So. If you want to know that one, the ghost tours will go on. They go on the weekends in October, and you'll walk around to some of the sites, including the Eccles Theater and the Lyric, and uh, above the uh, above the uh, uh, restaurants there, below the Copper Mill and above the Bluebird and uh, the Edwards Building of all the little local haunts. And, and the stories that are told there are usually about haunts in the buildings yeah. themselves.
0: Well, thanks for uh, alerting us to those. And maybe the ghost tours would be something you could go on, Michael. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. That's Michael and Logan. We'd love to hear your legend. Uh, maybe it's a legend in your family. Um, perhaps it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, LDS uh, folklore. Maybe you have something that in your family is, you know, outside the realm of folklore. Maybe it's uh, told in your family is a real thing. Counter with the three Nephites or, you know, it, uh, a special experience on on uh, your mission or family member's mission. Those sorts of things. I think every family has some of these and every community has these. We've been talking about, uh, got into talking about ghosts at the various uh, performing venues, uh, the Bear Lake Monster, and uh, we'll get into talking about Bigfoot and uh, Old Ephraim. I promise we'll get to talking about that following a break. We're talking with uh, Daniel Bishop, storyteller. And uh, Dan Davis, who is with the USU Special Collections, we'd love to hear from you at 1-800-826-1495. What what legend is important in your family, your hometown? Uh, What have you heard? We'd love to hear it. And uh, these two gentlemen are taking notes, by the way. (laughs) Special Collections would love to have uh, artifacts or photographs or just the stories and uh, Daniel Bishop would love to add this to his storytelling uh,
1: collection.
2: If you uh, have photographs of the Bear Lake Monster, you know, or or of Bigfoot. Even, very that would valuable. be That would be great. I yeah. would love to add those to the collection. <laughs>
1: that
0: would be neat. You'd get the employee of the month. Yes. <laughs> you get some photographic proof. Yeah. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, toll free, wherever you're listing, And we have email uh, upraccess at gmail.com, at gmail.com. And we have an email from Glenn that we'll get to immediately following the break. More on local legends following this break.
1: This Thursday morning on the Zesty Garden, we'll have a discussion with USU Extension fruit specialist Brent Black about brambles, including results of taste test trials and some new varieties of raspberries and blackberries. You'll find out which ones have great flavor and will grow well in your area. Then we introduce Going Native, a discussion of native and drought tolerant plants to incorporate into your garden. They're easy to grow and readily available. That's this Thursday morning at 10 on the next Zesty Garden.
2: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Addison Bread 3 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Open Monday through Saturday until 3, offering plattered cookies and brownies. Sandwiches and box lunches. Information at Crombrothers
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, along with storyteller uh, Daniel Bishop. He's from the Montpelier area and uh, does storytelling uh, all over Northern Utah, Southern Idaho wherever, uh, wherever so uh, you could book him uh, anywhere you're listening and we have with us uh, daniel davis who is the photograph curator at the usu merrill kazeer library special collections we're talking about local legends whether it be old ephraim which we're going to get into in the next half of the program um we've been talking about st anne's retreat an unnery up logan canyon that's uh, taken on uh, some ghost stories it was only perpetuated by a 1997 incident where uh would you call it Daniel Legend, legend kids, Tripping? kids kids want to do Legend Tripping, and they were confronted by some security guards. That became a, a court case. Um, the Bear Lake Monster—that's an enduring legend in the Bear Lake area—and um, of course, Old Ephraim. Some of these legends have do have a solid foundation in fact. For you know, for example, Old Ephraim, um did exist. Frank Clark did kill him. We have the skull. Uh, others, uh, maybe a little more tenuous, uh, hold on the facts. Although, if you have sighted the Bear Lake Monster, yeah, that's oh, back please. for you. C- you know? Call in
1: right now. Yeah. If you've sighted the Bear Lake Monster, I want to hear <laughs> your story.
0: So, um, <laughs> a lot of these things are in the uh, USU Special Collections and... Uh, uh, Daniel Davis would love to get a hold of uh, any artifact or photograph, or or there are oral histories there at special collections, right? And absolutely, all all manner of things. Very interesting. It's in the basement of the uh, of the library on the USU campus. So anyway, we'd love to hear your local legend. There are a lot of legends in families too. That that serves the same purpose, I think. Daniel it binds families together.
1: Binds families together. The 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 family story. Uh, uh, of grandpa when he went out, uh, and he w- if the grandpa was in the war and he was able to have some wonderful experiences that binds the family together,
0: right? So, let's uh, here's a very interesting email from Glenn um, in the Ona Basin. I grew up in the Yona Basin, had never heard of any of this stuff, Glenn. So, uh, this you're enlightening me. So, here's his email We have here in the Ona Basin near Fort Duchesne a ranch that has come to be called the Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalkers are a Native American belief of a type of shapeshifter. The land was originally made infamous by a friend of mine who purchased it and began seeing strange things. He eventually sold the land to a scientific group who fenced it off and has been conducting studies there. This gets better and better. There were were all kinds of stories about the general area, from UFOs, cattle mutilation, unnaturally large animals like dogs, strange lights, floating orbs, etc., a book was written about the ranch and the studies conducted by George Knapp and Colm Kelleher. There was also a loosely based uh, movie in 2013. That's Glen in the Uinta Basin. Thanks for that, Glen. So, Daniel, uh, do you know anything about this?
1: Oh, the, the the Skinwalker Ranch is legendary in the paranormal uh, paranormal storytelling world. Um, the uh, the uh, Skinwalkers are very very uh, frightening frightening legend. Uh, in fact, uh, if you run across Navajo's uh, the older Navajos won't even talk about it because uh, it is it is such uh, to talk about them would bring unbalance to the area. But there is a, some websites uh, devoted for uh, young Navajo and other Native American tribes to express their experiences and talk about it to, for education purposes. Uh, as far as the, the UFOs in that part of the world, that is a hotbed of UFO activity. Uh, the uh, new Area 51 uh, is in Utah. <laughs> well, in this area? In, in this area. Yes, uh, well, the, uh, yeah. the testing grounds out there throughout central Utah is, is open open ground for, for UFO hunters. Uh, the stories are so amazing. Some, some of them, like, like we talked about earlier with the Bear Lake Monster, we grin and raise our eyes, eyebrows about. Some of them you, you get that shiver, and some of them you wonder exactly. Did they see that what they said they saw? Yeah, it just. And, a and wonderful.
0: And I'm the kind of person, I guess it's a personality, I'd run away from this kind of thing. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to be a legend tripper, but some people run toward it. Yes. Right? They, they'd, they'd, now, now, hearing about this, some of our listening audience will be rushing out to Port Duchesne. And,
1: oh, and, and if you go, get permission. Yes. Uh, if you're doing any sort of legend tripping, please do not go without permission. The whole 97 incident up at. Uh, St. Anne's Retreat could have been solved with one phone call mm-hmm. saying we'd like to come up and then have the person on the other end of the phone call say, okay, how about Tuesday? Right. And then there would have, there would have been no problems at all. Everybody would have been able to get what they wanted, and everything would have been happy. Unfortunately, people want to sneak in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do know that right here uh, next to the campus here, the, the Logan City Library, or the Logan City uh, Cemetery here, uh, has one of the more prominent legends of the weeping woman. And I mm-hmm. do know that Logan City police have often chased people out of the cemetery after hours who are trying to see the the statue cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easily yeah. solved. Make a phone call. Yeah. yeah. Talk to people. Could, and, can you actually arrange to go in there with the uh, sexton? And- you know, at, at, at this point in time, I don't know what the ruling is in Logan City. When I was a teenager, you could. Mm-hmm. You just make a, the phone call, and they would make arrangements so that they'd know you'd be there. Yeah. Um, that helps with temptation of climbing up on things you shouldn't <laughs> climb up on or being where you uh, is dangerous to be. But at the same time, you're able to get what you're after is mm-hmm. being able to be part of those legends. Because um, the legend is, isn't it, that at midnight on a full moon,
2: that if you go to the weeping woman and you put your hand next to her eye, and that that she will be crying and i have to say i actually did this <laughs> you did this <laughs> and i have too. and it was seemed surprisingly damp i have to be honest with uh, you on a dry
0: on a dry it was it wasn't raining yeah, okay.
2: yeah that it uh, maybe it was condensation i i don't know yeah I'm wow surprised
0: wow so you both of you have experienced this. i,
1: well, I have i have experienced her uh, oh, we actually saw a drop mm-hmm. come down out of her eye uh, when I was there, um, we also heard something that sounded like the crying yeah. um, that could have been a bird. It wasn't coming from the statue. Yeah. but wow. yes, get but it it's it's a fascinating thing get get permission. Mm. Don't uh, unfortunately, ledger trippers get arrested, they get hurt. Uh, property gets damaged when when done wrong, but when you do it right. Oh, the amazing things that yeah. can happen! So, what do you? What? what so, Dan, why did you go? You, you wanted to get
0: a thrill? Did you? You, you wanted to see if it's really true? I, what do I, you?
2: I think at the time I was dating my wife, and and I thought it would be something romantic to do, mm-hmm. you know, and and so show her how brave I was, and, and I, I guess it worked. So you know, many things married. have been done for that reason.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes not ending well. <laughs> yeah. so, Daniel, why did you go? Uh,
1: I I went for to be part of the story. Mm-hmm. I'd heard the story, uh, the group was going up, and I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to see, I wanted to hear, I wanted to have that connection. And this was long before I became a professional storyteller, and it might be one of the reasons why I am getting these connections. Uh, it's also why I, I, I did go into St. Andrew's retreat uh, with permission uh, during the daytime is because I wanted to see see what people were talking about. What was it like? It's beautiful. It, yeah. That, 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 that facility is a beautiful facility. The, the Hatch family put so much time and effort into it. Uh, there is an Italian marble fireplace inside of one of the buildings, um, which unfortunately, since I've been there, and I've heard stories that uh, people have broke into the building and actually tried to scratch their name into the marble <laughs> to to mark that they were there. And that's, that's why there's problems is because... People don't respect yeah. the property.
0: So, you went during the day. Did you have any experience? No, you probably had to be there in the night.
1: So I, I, I did not have any experiences mm-hmm. while I was there. Uh, I was a little sad by that, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, most of the experiences happen at night yeah. up there. Um, but it, that's strangely enough, a lot of the stories happen at night. Uh, I don't know why we we can't have legends that happen in a comfortable uh, three o'clock
0: uh, after in the afternoon. It would sort of defeat the purpose, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you have to have the right atmosphere, I guess. Exactly. Uh, we're talking about local legends. We'd love to hear yours, whether it be a family legend, uh, a, a story that uh, has happened in your family, passed down, that's very important, binds your family together, or a, a legend in your area. We've heard uh, from the Cache Valley area with Michael. Who's, uh, who's asked about Saint Anne's and some other ghosts. In fact, pointed us to the the ghost at Sportsman. By the way, Sportsman is a, uh, a business in Logan on Main Street, but there's some apartments above it, and apparently there's a ghost in the in the basement there below the the Sportsman. Uh, out to the U.N.A. Basin, we heard from Glenn by email about the uh, Skinwalkers and Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, I've learned in this program, even though growing up in U.N.A. Basin, that the this this area is uh, UFO central and. Uh, so um, th- th- that's an interesting uh, fact. Thank you for those. Uh, by the way, uh, we'd love to hear your local legend. 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. You can call us or you can email us to upraccess at gmail.com. upraxess at uh, gmail.com. Well, let's, um, let's get into Old Ephraim. This is something that, uh, unlike some of the other things, ha- you, you can actually go and see in the special collections yep. at USU Library the skull, old school. Mm-hmm. Uh So uh, let's we'll start with you, uh, Daniel. Uh, old Ephraim,
1: um, tell tell us about him. How big? <laughs> when did he live? Well, the, uh, the and I go by the official uh, Smithsonian account uh, on this. I know there's been others, Glenn included, that have. Uh, Question this one. But according to the Smithsonian, uh, when the skull was sent to them, uh, old Ephraim uh, stood at nine feet, 11 inches tall when he was on his hind legs, and he weighed 1,100 pounds or thereabouts. Um, he, he had uh, one foot that only had three toes. Uh, you're talking about the legends uh, on that one. There there are legends that they were taken off in a bear trap when he was a cub. There are legends that they were shot off by a sheep herder at one point in time. Uh, however, most think that he was probably born that way.
0: Hmm. By uh, the way, uh, not knowing about bears, how many toes do bears usually have? Five. Five, just like humans. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They, okay. They, okay.
1: They, <laughs> their thumb isn't quite opposable, but they okay. can use it almost that way. Okay. Okay. Um, his track was big enough, however, that a full-grown full, uh, a full grown man's boot would fit inside of the track, mm. uh, particularly if he was up on his hind feet. Uh, one thing Old Ephraim was uh, noted to do was walk on his hind feet to dis- dis- disguise who he was. In the uh, Malad area, there was the legend of uh, Moccasin Joe, which was a giant bear who, when he walked on his hind feet, the claws wouldn't... Leave prints, and it looked like a giant man walking around in moccasins. And the, if the legends are correct, Moccasin Joe and Old Ephraim are the same bear. Hmm. Interesting.
0: <laughs> so Old Ephraim, uh, this this huge grizzly, by some accounts, the the largest grizzly ever ever known in the Lower 48. Um, and he comes in contact with uh, sheep herders. Oh, yes. He, he, uh, he harvests, as you put it that way, sheep. Sheep herders mad about this, and there's one sheep herder, young Frank Clark, who decides, I'm going to do something about this. Right. I uh, guess there are many, there are others who are out trying to gunning for Old Ephraim, but uh, Frank is the one who, oh, who got him.
1: They, they, they were all after him. Uh, Old Ephraim, and uh, bears in general, uh, they'll eat anything, uh, anything that's edible. They're omnivores, just like us. However, when they discover how easy it is and how tasty sheep are, then they tend to stay with sheep. And old Ephraim would really make the, the sheep herders angry because what one of his tactics was is he would run through the herd, run right through the flock of sheep and hit as many of them as he could, knocking them down, injuring them. And then he would come back to the ones that couldn't run and, uh, sorry, this might be a little graphic, but would eat their, their bellies hmm. while they were still alive. And Frank one morning uh, went out into his flock and found twenty three sheep in this condition. They were still alive; their 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 bellies had been eaten out, and he had to put twenty three sheep out of their misery.
0: So you could see why he'd be angry. And he'd want be very to, angry. over By the way, this is nineteen eleven ish is when we started encountering, right? And it's nineteen twenty three. August 22nd, when the great battle happens. August 22nd, And that's why August 22nd, coming up on Friday, you're going to be telling the story that
1: Thatcher Young mentioned. Right. Um, And Frank, of course, when he was young, he said that the Clark family and the Bear family got along well. But after just a couple of years uh, running uh, the Ward-Clark sheep company up in Logan Canyon, he had sworn eternal vengeance on the Bear because of how many sheep were killed by bears, specifically Old Ephraim. And he was so easy to tell when he was the perpetrator because of his distinctive track. Um, he was he was called Old Three-Toes, and that was there. And Frank tried everything to get rid of this bear. For, for years and years, he, he trapped, he hunted, uh, whatever he could do. But Old Ephraim was a smart bear. And one of the things, uh, when the trap was set in his waller, he had three tricks that he could do. One was he would actually pick up the chain connected to the trap and throw the trap away. Uh, Several sheep herders found their traps up in the trees where Ephraim had thrown them. He would also take a stick, use it as a tool, and set the traps off. He'd poke it down in, and and the stick would be caught in the trap instead of him. But what made Frank frustrated more than any other trick is he would pick the trap up out of the waller and set it up on the bank without setting it off. Mm -hmm. And so it was there taunting him. And, of course, uh, I I can hear the question out there, what is the waller he's talking about? A bear will dig a hole in a small stream and let a mud pit grow, and that's where he he would relax and cool off and then cover his body in the mud in the hot summer days so that when he wandered around he was cool. And up in Logan Canyon there is a place still called Ephraim's Waller, where was one of his favorites, and it was right in the middle of Frank Clark's grazing land. Mm. It,
0: it, it's always tempting to anthropomorphize, right, and <laughs> to ascribe him, but picking the entire trap up and setting it uh, up on the bank, um, untripped, that seems like taunting. That seems like, I don't know, you know?
1: It, it would, you know, and the bear was smart enough to know uh, not to hunt the sheep where he was sleeping. He would hunt the neighboring flocks, but then go into another area to sleep so that it was harder for him to find. Uh, So, yeah, showing intelligence like that makes you wonder, was he taunting them? Mm -hmm. Um, In the story of the battle, he did get uh, caught in the trap. And whether it was because of his age, he was slowing down a little bit, or Frank had finally fooled him, Uh, we don't know. But he stepped in the trap but the bears seem to know who set the trap because he came to Frank. Mm. Frank didn't go find him caught in the trap and have the battle there. Old Ephraim came to Frank.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah. To
1: his campsite.
0: Yeah,
2: scary. Yeah, very
1: scary. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Well, one of the theories that, that's out there that I've heard is is as as people were killing off all the grizzly bears mm-hmm. and all the, the wolves and things in the West, you know, during the settling of the West— Is that essentially um, you killed the dumb ones first, right? And and there's a lot of these kind of stories about Lobo wolves as they tried to kill every wolf, and and how cautious they were and how smart they were. And so there's sort of this this idea that essentially the very last bears and the very last wolves are sort of the geniuses of their Mm -hmm. uh, of their species and 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 are very wily and have have figured out a lot of things, you know. And so that's why they're alive for so long, you know, is because they were very smart.
0: Uh, Dan, tell me a little bit about Frank Clark and what we have uh, from from him. You have you know a lot of stuff about Old Ephraim, mm-hmm. including uh, things that Frank uh, Clark wrote. He was a young man, I believe, when, when he had yeah. this encounter and killed Old Ephraim. Had many years to, I don't know if he dined out on this story or he had a lot of occasion to tell the story.
2: Yeah, and, and um, we have a lot of those those different stories that he told, and and in a lot of cases there are very small variations. I mean, I think the the sort of the basic storyline stays the same, but a lot of the little details, you know, um, in terms of exactly how the battle went, and and in one story, you know, he says, "Well, I, I poked it with a stick," and in another, he said he threw sticks at it, and so there are some small variations, but. For the main part, you know, the the, the narrate narration is true. And, of course, we do have, I don't know if we've mentioned this, we have the skull. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> think we our, have, yes. Our but big but draw and special the collections. And, um, and yeah, so we would have different oral histories that have been told about that. And, and you can see these from our digital exhibit. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if you went to Google and you put in Old E from USU," I'm sure on the first page would be our digital exhibit. Of, yeah, that's of, true. That's what I, that's what I've yes. done.
0: Uh, so, Daniel, um, as Dan has mentioned, there were some variations, but essentially, um, you know, the, the story remained in its essentials the same over many years. Frank Clark could have grown the fish, I suppose, as as it were.
1: Well, yeah, he could have, and it's surprising that he didn't. Um, but he was a, a very shy man to start with uh, as you can look some of the earlier accounts are very short, very mm-hmm. very concise as he gets later on. you can tell he becomes a better storyteller with experience uh, adding more more of the details but yeah the the bear stayed the same size the the trap stayed the same size the the area stayed the same and he he felt that connection with the story not because of the legend but because he was there and it was it was meaningful to him. Mm-hmm. You don't see the uh, growing of the fish uh, until other people tell the story.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to take a break and go back and talk about that interesting aspect of it. Because as Dan said earlier, there's sort of a legend about the legend that, <laughs> uh, that happens. And I'm sure you've got some stuff in Special Collections about that. We'll talk about how uh, Frank Clark felt about being the one to kill this legendary bear. And uh, talk a little bit more about the the battle. We want to hear about uh, your local legend. Maybe it's a legend in your family, in your hometown. Uh, maybe you're interested in the legends in northern Utah that we've been concentrating on mostly in the hour today. Love to hear about uh, your legend that's important to you. The number is one 800 1495 or you can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com. We have with us uh, Daniel Bishop, the storyteller, who, by the way, is going to be telling the oldie from story at the Thatcher Young Mansion. or uh, It's a mansion it, now, yeah, museum. a museum. Uh, it's near the Eccles Right behind uh, it. center. They
1: built the Eccles kind of around the, yeah. the mansion.
0: And that's on Friday, 7 o'clock, tickets at Cash Valley Center for the Arts. We have with us as well uh, Daniel Davis, who's photograph, a curator at the USU Merrill-Kazir Library Special Collections. That's where, by the way, you can see Oldie from Skull. Yep. We'll give you another plug there. Uh, and the number is 1-800-826-1495, where you can join us on uh, email to Access at gmail.com. More following this break.
1: On NPR News, it's all about the story. People can surprise you anytime. The people behind movies, books, and music. Music is like a Rorschach test, you know, when people hear what they want to hear. I'm Arun Roth, the new host of All Things Considered from NPR News, now coming to you every weekend from NPR West in Southern California. Weekend afternoons at four on Utah Public Radio.
2: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members, and area-info.net, providing a social media outlet for personalized press releases, business news, business events, and opinions. Information at area-info.net.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Local legends is our topic today, and we're uh, hearing, I'm learning some some legends I'd never heard of, including some in the Ona Basin uh, where I grew up. Uh, we talked about Old Ephraim and the Bear Lake Monster, um, talked a little bit about Bigfoot. If we have time, we'll talk a little bit more about Bigfoot and sightings in northern Utah. Uh, St. Ann's Retreat up Logan Canyon, ghosts in various performing venues in uh, Logan area, the ghost uh, in the Sportsman had heard about that one in, in Logan, and we'd love to hear yours. You can. We just have about five minutes left, but we'd love to get yours in. 1-800-826-1495, or you can join us by email to upraccess at gmail.com. Daniel Bishop, the storyteller, is with us, and, and Daniel Davis from USU Special Collections. Uh, Glenn in UN Basin emailed back. He said, I used to haul crude oil from oil wells. We have an area in central Duchesne County called the Coke Field, C O C H, I think, Coke Field. It was uh, originally operated by the infamous Coke Brothers business and developed in the 1970s early 80s. The Coke Field is very remote and quite rugged. Many oil field workers claim to have seen a headless horseman. Ooh, delicious. I first heard about this when I was dispatched uh, to a uh, load out in the field, probably in 1999. Legend has it that the local natives beheaded a party of Spanish prospectors, and this headless horseman is one of them. Many of my former crude haulers refuse to go into the coke field at night. (laughs) The hair is standing up at the back of my neck. Mm -hmm. Glenn, thanks for sending that in. Headless horseman out in central Duchesne County. Uh, So thanks for that. And uh, Friend Weller, our engineer, popped his head in. And uh, he was talking so fast, and I was trying to read this email, but uh, you gentlemen have written this down. He had a couple of legends.
1: He, he, the the uh, famous Mink Creek ghost was the one he mentioned. Uh, uh, a murder uh, took place in the small town of Mink Creek, just uh, well, in in the emigration canyon between uh, uh, Preston and Montpelier there. Um, wonderful, wonderful stories about that.'ve uh, I've looked for the house. Mm. uh for that one and i haven't found the exact house i'm hoping to find it soon but that's mm-hmm. a wonderful legend uh, he also mentioned one that i don't know uh which is surprising for me uh the the white house wedding shop ghost mm-hmm. i hadn't heard uh, of that one no. so i uh, tell me yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you the, out
0: there if you've seen it please so, the, the white house is is it's a shop on right. main street in logan right so apparently it's a ghost okay send it in
2: all right <laughs> and we were mentioning that uh my wife claims there's a ghost in our house because I, I it takes my keys and puts them in inaccessible locations and and i thought i could have swore i just put them down on the mantle and they're gone <laughs> just I, I think later. that ghost perhaps is into my house
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know maybe some of these legends get started by something as simple as that you know and then it then it and then it escalates
1: Am- amazingly so amazingly yeah. so how, how many will start in just little things the uh, the legend of, of of the nunnery could have started as simply as what are those guys doing up there, mm-hmm. uh, but yet yeah, we've had experiences and 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 the the community builds on the story and the connection grows. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing.
0: So let's. Uh, with, with, it looks like we have a phone call coming in, but uh, just uh, we, we just have a couple of minutes. Um, Frank Clark, how did he feel about killing Oldie uh, from?
1: You know, he he'd hunted him, he'd hunted him, and he'd hunted him trying to get him, and then. He was sad mm-hmm. to be the one to have to actually bring him down. Uh, he said as he watched him die, the the sadness of having having to do it, and he wished that he could go back and not be the one to have to do mm-hmm. it.
0: And then uh, you mentioned earlier, there's uh, legend grows upon legend. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's kernel of fact. That yeah. Old Oldie from actually existed. Frank Clark did kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a very large uh, grizzly bear, very smart. Then you have legend that grows on that, could be connected to fact. And then there's, then it grows and grows,
2: uh, you know, out, out into the realm of, of, I guess, folklore. Well, one of the things that we, I've heard a lot of stories about, or at least several, is the gun that killed old Ephraim. And and you would think that, that Frank Clark had a bunch of guns with him because there's multiple sort of claims on the gun that, that killed old Ephraim. And I've heard about at least three different people say the, the gun that killed old Ephraim, yeah.
0: And uh, I guess that's uh, that could be part of family lore. Sometimes when yeah. people come to a folklore class or whatever, and you hear the basic facts of the thing, then there can be hurt feelings if your family lore, you know, if you own the gun that uh, killed O'Day, right. from that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I know of a, of a pretty credible source of the gun, but I have heard other guns out there. And so, uh, again, I'm going to make a plea: if you're a member of the Clark family and you have stories, you have connections with Frank Clark, please get a hold of me. My website is danielbishopthestoryteller.com. My email and phone number are both on there. Please, please get a hold of me so that I can include more of this information in the story because it is so important to have the full story when we Mm -hmm. tell it out there. And if you have the gun, I mean, I know the one in Montpelier, uh, but if you have another version of the gun, please call us.
0: And I'm sure it's similar for USU special elections. Uh, we do have Elaine from River Heights. Uh, we have a quick phone call. Elaine, thanks for calling the program. Go ahead with your question. Hi, thanks. Um,
4: I, it reminded me of a legend that my father told me about that he had experienced during World War II. Um, and I don't know, it, he was stationed in both uh, France and England and, and also in Belgium, so I'm not sure exactly where this happened, but I think it was France. And uh, supposedly there was a ghost of a Roman sentry in their camp, and um, uh, he would go, he would walk back and forth, and the place where the soldiers would see him was in the latrine. Oh, really? <laughs> he knew a guy who um, was in the latrine and then saw this figure walking back and forth, but it it was down... The figure was like almost, you know, buried, I don't know how, how deep, but it was as if it was walking on a lower uh, plane, and, uh, and the guy in the latrine, you know, got out of there fast. But the, I, I guess the lower plane had to do with um, the, the level of the ground during the Roman period there. Hmm. And so that was a, a story that they told in that camp, in France uh, during World War II.
0: And then your father passed it on to, to you, obviously, when he
4: yes, got yeah. back.
0: Uh, interesting. Well, how did he feel about this? Was he scared? or what?
4: He laughed about it. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess especially the part uh, where this, this centurion apparently had a, a problem. He had to go to the bathroom. And,
4: but, uh, well, I'm assuming there wasn't a latrine there at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> during his time. But, yeah, that's where it was that they would see this ghost.
0: Yeah, that, that could have been scary, though, if you'd actually sighted this.
4: And it would, yeah, it would walk back and forth along the yeah. wow. track.
0: Wow! Yeah, wow! And and this in 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 the horrors of war, you know, you've got other things to worry about. But I, I guess even in a place like that, legends would would, would crop up. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lane, thanks. I, for and sharing I that.
4: wish I knew more about it, but that's yeah.
0: all I know. Oh, great! We're we're writing it down. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, okay. we're, we're out of time. Uh, but if you, uh, if you have uh, another local legend or family legend, we'd love to hear about it. Email it to us, UPRAccess at gmail.com. I'll pass it on to Daniel and Dan um, for storytelling for the special collections. Again, the, um, the event is coming up on the anniversary of Old Ephraim's uh, death, April 22nd. The original death was 1923, and Daniel Bishop will be telling the story at the Thatcher Young Museum in Logan, 7 o'clock Friday evening.
1: 7 o'clock, and you'll get you'll get the whole story. The Great. whole story, mm-hmm. at least as much of it as I know.
0: Tickets at Cash Valley Center for the Arts. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, Dan Davis with the uh, USU Special Collections. A lot of stuff at Special Collections, including Old Ephraim's uh, Skull. And you can find out a lot. Just Google.
2: Yeah, just Google. Uh, put in Oldie from USU. And I, th- I believe on Google it will be on the first page. Okay,
0: great. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Again, if you have a local legend, uh, email that to us, upraccess@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And thanks for listening today.